It's Monday, September 30th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Funds, Tony Arsta. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Um, This is, uh, as I said on Thursday, this is our mini version of Strategy Week. Um, I am on my way to Toronto. For our Canadian uh, listeners, our dozens of Canadian listeners, I'm hosting an investing event on Tuesday, October 1st at the University of Toronto. Uh, this is for Canadian investors, and wherever you are in the great nation of Canada, you can watch this event. We're going to stream it online. All of the details are on our Canadian website, which is fool.ca slash October 1. That's fool.ca slash October 1, and that's the number one, not O-N-E. Um, Mini Strategy Week. Let's talk technology. You're a technology analyst. Um, I, I said before we were, we were taping – uh, Ron Gross uh, told me a couple of years ago he he thinks that oil needs to be a part of or not oil energy needs to be a part of any diversified portfolio. I think technology is one of those industries that a lot of investors look at and think I got to have some exposure to technology somehow. Um, I, I want to get into general strategy in a minute, but first let's start with the recent wave of events in the smartphone industry. Sure. Uh, and I'm talking about the the, the combination of uh, Microsoft buying Nokia's handset and services business for 7.2 billion, BlackBerry going private, uh, Apple unveiling the 5S and the 5C. You're a technology analyst. What do you see in the smartphone technology industry? Well, the the smartphone industry is changing quickly right now, but it, it really is just an example of how industry has worked historically in any area. Uh, when you look at the – ever since the Industrial Revolution, you have a bunch of companies crop up and then you have consolidation. And we saw the same thing with PCs in the last few decades that we're seeing right now with smartphones. The reason people buy smartphones, the replacement cycle, uh, all those factors are changing quickly. So many of the companies that were relevant in the past are are finding that it's difficult to be relevant in the future. BlackBerry, one of their key advantages was a physical keyboard. Uh, Sounded great at the time. It turns out it was great at the time. But those kinds of things and and preferences change quickly. You look at Dell with PCs. Back when people were buying a new PC every two years, Dell was on top of the world. That time frame stretches from two years to four years, and suddenly things aren't going as well. You see the same thing in the auto industry and any other field. Smartphones are are facing a similar problem right now. Uh, People are starting to think they don't need the two-year cycle. The phone companies are are objecting and and trying to get people to switch every one year. So you you have give and take on both sides. But as technology becomes more mature, as as consumers don't see the obvious reasons for the upgrades – the the companies that are are relying on on selling new products every year uh, face some major headwinds. And then the consolidation that you see with Nokia, Motorola a few years ago, Palm, BlackBerry, that's inevitable. You mentioned Dell and just made me think that between Dell, BlackBerry, and the others that you just mentioned, Palm, Motorola, is is it tougher – for a technology company to make it in the public sector, and that's why we're seeing them go private or be acquired? Or is this a situation where we just notice it more because these are companies that are 
maybe more in the forefront of our everyday lives than you know, pick your average retail company or consumer goods company. Yeah, companies like Microsoft and Dell are are right out there. You see it every day, and it's it's a technology that people can talk about and can understand. But I, I don't really think there's there's anything different to this industry. I, I think for the most part, you you really need to focus on the core things that fundamental investors look for in any business. You need to look at who the suppliers are, who the customers are, who has the pricing power. Anything that you would do to analyze a traditional industrial company, especially in the the hardware tech space, software is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But for hardware, you you need to focus on those core things that make a good business a good business, even more so than many other industries. What do you look for in a technology company? Um, and as you just alluded to, there are a lot of different ways to play technology. Right. You can go for a hardware company. You can go for software. You can go for uh, a chip maker, someone who's making the parts inside, and it doesn't really matter what's on the outside so much. I mean, so much of the rise of Microsoft was that system. Microsoft right. didn't make the box. They made what went inside the box. Mm-hmm. What do you look for? As with any investment, you're looking for a, a sustainable competitive advantage. To have that, you need a good management team that is able to look at disruptions coming along. In technology, there are, are many disruptions that happen quickly, but if you have a competitive advantage, you have something that sets you apart, that's what it takes to survive. You look at – that's the big problem is trying to figure out what is right. a sustainable advantage and what is not. So you look at Dell I used as an example before. They had power with their suppliers. They could – uh, negotiate great terms, basically get money for free uh, before having to pay their suppliers. When cheaper competition came along and the the growth of the industry slowed, that advantage disappeared. So when you look at a company like Microsoft, you need to figure out what is sustainable, what is not, and that is very difficult to do. Do you need, as an investor, to keep technology stocks on a tighter leash because of that? Because there, because competition can crop up. Uh, you know, we were talking last week. Uh, I think uh, one of the stocks that came up on Investor Beat was Boeing, and you look at Boeing for all of the headline risk Boeing has had this year with the Dreamliner and the battery fires and that sort of thing. It's basically a two-company industry. Uh, that right. Boeing is operating in. They're, they have so many sustainable advantages. Uh, again, my original question, do you got to keep them on a tighter leash? Uh, it depends on your investing style. The way I invest, yes, you do. If you are looking at someone like David Gardner with his rule breaker investment style, a lot of that is is finding a great story that has good upside potential mm-hmm. and buying into it. And then some of those will hit, some will not. When I invest, I tend to to focus much more closely on the downside risk. With technology companies, it's easy to see the story, see what the upside is, but the downside is enormous. You don't have necessarily the same asset base that you might have with a company like Boeing or the same backlog where the company might might stumble but still be relevant. A lot of these technology companies, if they stumble, they're finished. So it is... Uh, it is key, at least to my approach, to focus on the downside. One thing that some investors look for, regardless of industry, is a value play. Uh, 
So this is, hey, you look at this company, it's a $50 billion company. Oh, it's worth, you know. But I've heard some investors, uh, including our CEO, Tom Gardner, suggest that technology is not the industry to look for a value stock. That if you have these big companies that maybe from traditional metrics look cheap, the fact that it's a $100 billion technology company means, you know what, if you're looking for a value play, then maybe you're better off looking at a Johnson & Johnson or a Procter & Gamble. Yeah, the the stability of the business and the core of the business in general is difficult to find in technology. So if I was looking for value plays, that is an area that, that would be very difficult. So much attention in the media is paid to the the giants, right. Microsoft, Apple, Google, even Cisco Systems, which is not certainly not a consumer brand, but the size of the company dictates that it's going to have right. all this attention paid to it. What's under the radar that we should, we should be paid to? What, what, you know, because I know you're not taking up your time pouring through the balance sheets of those companies. What are the industries that you're looking at that you think, oh, this is a trend where I may not know exactly at this moment who the winners are going to be, but this is a trend that's going to grow? Mm-hmm. That is one interesting thing about technology is how much you can learn. Even if you don't invest in them, you can learn so much from looking at the big guys. Cisco is constantly talking about the trends they see in all of computing, whether they can benefit directly from it or not. So you can find other companies to focus on based on what Cisco is saying. Microsoft, you hear some similar things. SAP, a German company that makes uh, enterprise software, is a great company for figuring out where businesses and when where enterprises are, are going in the future. Intel is another one. So many of these large companies are, are places to focus regardless of where you plan to invest. There are some other small companies that are useful as well. One company I like to look at is Linear Technology, which I believe Stock Advisor recommended it. What do they do? They, they make analog chips. So I'm uh, sorry. I just dozed <laughs> off. What do they make? So they, they make chips just like a company like Texas Instruments. Okay. Uh, so digital chips, it's all ones and zeros. Analog chips actually measure voltages and things more precise than a, a – on off one zero. Okay. So this this has use in many industries. Uh, it's used in cell phones. It's used in cars. It's used everywhere. And uh, it, if you just look through their their conference calls every quarter, it is amazing how much you can learn about the industry and other businesses based on their results. How do you, as an analyst, view research and development spending? Because that seems like the sort of thing that could be something that as an investor you really want to see. But I imagine just like any other type of spending that companies do, that there have to be some companies just doing a really bad job of it and it's just throwing good money after bad. There are. There there are companies that, that are great with research, some that are not. When you see companies cutting that expense, so it's usually a bad sign. Uh, you don't want to see cuts there. What you want to see is more efficient use of money, but you cuts rarely work out well. Historically, what are a couple of companies that have done a good job with their R&D spending? Uh, Apple is an obvious example. They've been ahead of the curve on many things. Uh, Google is is great because they focus most of their R&D on their core products and then just a little bit on up-and-coming potential things. But uh, if you look at where most of their time goes, it's, it's the core products. Companies like Intel are always pushing for the next big thing. That's one interesting thing about technology is the the depreciation that happens there. The cost of products is constantly declining. 
So if you aren't innovating and coming up with a new product, your margins are declining, your your revenues are declining. You need the next thing just to to tread water. You mentioned Google. It reminded me of a conversation you and I had earlier this year. You went to a conference. I think it was in Florida, and right. there, there was a Google executive. Um, that was because uh, I, I remember you had said you had seen God knows how many speakers from all these different companies. Mm-hmm. And I said, what was the most remarkable thing? And I think that's what you said was that the, the, the big takeaway was just the overwhelming percentage of their – not just their money that they're spending at Google, but their their human resources. Right. Google is great at, at focusing in the right areas and they have all these different things going on. They have the driverless cars. They have the Google Glasses. Yeah. But the the best research they're doing, the best work they're doing is focused on where they make the most money, on search. And as long as that doesn't change, they can spend time doing other things. We are a week away from earnings season officially kicks off. What are one or two technology companies that you're going to be watching as we head into earnings season, and what in particular are you going to be watching? And it can be it can be individual companies, but it could also be a trend, just like we kicked off the conversation talking about smartphones. And many of these companies, uh, at least in the consumer space, are, are going into the final quarter of the year with holiday spending. You have companies like Apple that are selling iPhones, iPads. The big time of the year is Christmas. With enterprise companies, the big time of the year is the fourth quarter because that's how a lot of corporate budgets work. There's a lot of hardware equipment that's mm-hmm. bought in the fourth quarter. So coming into this earnings season, the actual numbers the companies are putting up is a little bit less relevant than what they're, what they're seeing for, for the next quarter. And one of the trends we've seen for the last three or four years is that the visibility into the future, what companies will be spending in the upcoming quarters, has gotten worse. A lot of the major corporations that spend big money on IT – are delaying those purchases, are unwilling to forecast those purchases because they they just want a, a shorter time frame over which to make that decision. Uh, last question, and I have to ask this just because longtime listeners know this is a topic that has come up repeatedly, and that is the topic of acquisitions. Microsoft, Cisco Systems, just to name two, are technology companies historically worse at making acquisitions than having to write them down, or does it just seem that way to me because I've owned both those stocks for a very long time? A, a little bit of both. It does seem very bad, and when you look at the products that are acquired, the results are, are terrible in, in many cases. One of the more interesting things you see, though, is acquisitions for the, the sake of hiring. A company like Cisco will will acquire a small company for maybe a hundred million, which doesn't move their balance sheet at all, really. And what they're doing there is trying to get ten or twenty great engineers that work at this acquired company. Those workers then come on board and are incorporated into Cisco's projects. So a lot of that is wouldn't it be cheaper just to hire them, just to <laughs> go to each one of them with a Godfather offer? In some cases, it's uh, <laughs> it. it it's just the way things are, are done yeah. in many of these companies. That doesn't make it right. Um, another problem with tech companies is the stock options they grant. Is yes. a little bit ridiculous at times. But when you're trying to hire the top talent, a lot of times it's it's the best way to get to it. 
Okay, Tony Arsta. Uh, you can read more from Tony and his colleagues by going to foolfunds.com. You can sign up for Declarations, the free monthly newsletter that they produce down there. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>